Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and that's why it's so important to have a marine-specific policy. 
when you look at someone who is living on land, uh, perhaps someone that has a regular nine-to-five job working in the same place all the time, you can get a pretty good feel for uh, the needs being sort of consistent among all those types of people. When you look at yacht crew specifically and, and anybody really who's working on board ship, you're dealing with people of multiple nationalities from multiple backgrounds uh, going to multiple different worldwide countries. And so having a specific uh, company to handle those type of unique needs is really important. Uh, most insurance carriers don't really understand the needs of yacht crew or even marine crew in general for that matter. And so that's why we play such an important role because we know the, the specific uh, characteristics of yacht crew being in all these different places and all these different nationalities uh, that we want to focus on making sure that they have what they need. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are most of your clients individual crew members or is it mostly the owners and their managerial teams who want group programs to cover the full crew? Uh, that's uh, probably mostly what we do is group. They basically have um, you know, we do a lot of individuals as well, but of course, if you have a yacht group of, of 10 or 12 crew, that's going to account for um, a lot easier when it comes to total numbers of people that you might have uh, under the policy. But we don't focus on one or the other. We are here to serve either groups or individuals. But more and more these days, as we look at uh, what's happening in the marketplace and, and in the industry as well, is that there's more and more vessel uh, operators and owners and managers that are really almost mandatorily requiring some sort of a group plan to be installed on board the vessel. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see in the future uh, less and less of individual uh, people getting their own plans because they're just going to be covered all the time under a group plan from yacht to yacht. Right, right. So when when it comes to the insurance, whether it's, someone who, a crew member, who is buying it for themselves, or if it's the owner looking for a package, are, are there oversights that you see uh, as being common? You know, do you think, does it seem like um, people sometimes are only thinking about potential accidents on board and not thinking so much about what can happen on land? Um, or are there other things that maybe they forget to take into account that they really should be thinking of in terms of the overall policy? There are some examples of some things that people might forget about. Sure. sure. You know, there are a lot of assumptions uh, that various people make when they look at getting an insurance policy either for themselves or for a group. Probably the biggest thing that people forget to do is just ask questions. It's so important to find out what type of coverages are within any particular kind of policy that they might be looking at or considering before they take that policy and and then get surprised, if you will, uh, down the road with something that maybe they had assumed was covered or that uh, perhaps they had seen in other products and therefore they just, again, assumed that it was part of their particular package. So I think that's probably the first thing that I would say is, is just to make sure to ask as many questions as you can Certainly when you're dealing with an insurance professional, they want to hear those questions. They do not want you to assume uh, certain things are covered or certain things are not covered. 
we would absolutely prefer that people ask just as many questions as they as they can and and not to think that if they do ask a question that somehow we're going to think that they're less than superior in their knowledge um we certainly understand that that not everyone is an insurance expert and we don't want them to be they need to focus on you know being an expert at what they do on board a yacht or a ship or whatever it might be and leave the uh, the insurance speak if you will to us right you know that's a good point because i think a lot of people are reluctant to ask questions because they think that they'll come across as being uneducated or or somehow just not knowledgeable. But that's that's your purpose. You're there to help them answer those questions and think beyond the you know the usual realm of uh, of concepts. Absolutely, that's correct. So why don't you walk us through the process of sitting down with a first time client? What are some of the questions that you ask them? to determine what they need and what you can offer them? Well, the first thing we want to find out is basically what their current situation in life is. If they are, obviously, if they're land-based, that's a whole different discussion. But if they're working on board a yacht, we want to know, is this a full-time position? Do you see yourself being on this yacht for a number of years? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where the yacht travels for example, on its usual itineraries, does it go to uh, Europe, for example? Does it go to Caribbean? Does it stay here in the U.S.? Uh, whatever those types of itineraries might be. We also want to find out what their expectations are from an insurance plan. Uh, do they expect it to cover just about everything you can think of, or are they looking for something that's just more in line with, call it a catastrophic type of coverage, where uh, it's only going to be there when something really, really uh, bad might happen, whether it's an accident or, you know, if they get really sick or something along those lines. So what we try to do is is just to listen to what they have to say with regard to their current situation, uh, look at maybe what their budget might be so we can sort of fit into that particular uh, monthly premium that they can meet or if they want to do, a, you know, an annual premium up front and not have to mess with it for, for the next 12 months, we can accommodate that as well or really anywhere in between. And those are the kind of questions that we want to ask. Uh, maybe if they have any specific uh, medical history that they may want to discuss, different plans will treat prior medical history differently. Uh, so we may have to look at those particular situations. It's an important uh, initial process, really, because as I say, what you want to have happen is once the coverage has been purchased, that hopefully there won't be any surprises uh, when the time comes where they actually do need the coverage. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, speaking with, uh, speaking about times when they will need coverage, um, let's talk about emergencies for a moment. You mentioned before that MHG works with crew of various nationalities, and these people are obviously traveling all over the world. What happens when there's an emergency? Um, you know, do the do the plan providers have working relationships with doctors and medical facilities in various ports that are typical for the yachts to go to, for example? Sure, sure. Each of the various carriers have come a long way, I would say, in in making sure that we do have these types of things. Uh, you know, because we're new to well, I shouldn't say new, 10 years is not really new, but relatively given the maritime history. Uh, it's also true then that the carriers themselves are somewhat new to understanding the 
characteristics of these vessels and knowing where they tend to uh, sail into port in various areas, such as Antibes and in France, and and of course down into Saint Martin and the Caribbean, and and anywhere else that might be a sort of a regular, if you will, for some of the vessels. But uh, what they've done is they've created these what they call international provider networks, and what they are is is they're just basic relationships that the insurance providers have been able to establish uh, with providers in various countries doesn't mean there's any special uh, rates or any special pricing that goes on, but what it does do is it allows for that comfort level to be there between the doctor and the insurance provider so that when the crew member steps into that office and let's say it's something a little bit more serious and the the bill is of course going to be maybe a few thousand, maybe significantly more, uh, we want the providers to feel comfortable with being able to say, okay, um, we're going to go ahead and send this bill to the insurance provider knowing that maybe in 15 to 20 days they will pay it. And that will then allow the crew member to not have to provide that uh, money up front, which could be a significant burden. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also then it, of course, allows the crew member to uh, leave the doctor's office without having made payment and still receive the treatment that he needs. Right, right. Good points, definitely. For for major medical coverage, um, in looking at some of the group plans that you have, I noticed there's one called Safe Harbor Crew. Now, it has some features that are pretty customary medical benefits, like vision and maternity, but it also had some yacht-specific features that I thought were interesting, like scuba and emergency medical evacuation. Can you explain a little bit about how these work? Sure. Um, Well, scuba diving is one of those features that you wouldn't typically find on a regular uh, sort of land-based policy because, again, this is something that you'd find much more frequently for those that are working on ship, especially on on large yachts. They do quite a bit of scuba diving, whether it might just be on their own recreational time or they may be perhaps doing it along with guests on board the vessel, uh, so on and so forth. So scuba has a very unique uh, set of rules and standards that are followed by most crew. Uh, They call it the PADI guidelines. And what that means is that they they follow a set uh, list of safe practices, basically. So what the plans do is they actually will then extend the coverage for if something were to happen to that crew member while they are scuba diving that might uh, cause them to become injured. Uh, That would typically be the case. Uh, that's where the plan will then step in and say, okay, well, we can cover that because that's part of the feature of this plan. Talking about emergency medical evacuation, now that's something that is is definitely uh, more serious. Anytime you have a situation where you have a seriously injured crew member where you're not sure whether that person's life may be in danger or perhaps maybe the loss of the a limb such as an arm or a leg may be in danger. It might be that the only way to get that person uh, safely attended to is going to be via a helicopter or perhaps a private jet, depending on the scenario, to get them from that island in the Caribbean or from that island in Greece or wherever it happens to be to a location where they would actually be able to receive the care that they need um, as quickly and as efficiently as possible. 
So an emergency medical evacuation is something very serious, and and we we uh, see those happen from time to time. They certainly don't happen often, but when they do occur, it is absolutely critical that things happen very quickly and very efficiently to make sure that, that again, the care is provided uh, as soon as possible and also to just coordinate between all the various parties that are going to be involved, whether it be the vessel owner or the captain, uh, the management company, the local person on scene who maybe knows some basic medical care, um, obviously the nearest hospital, the nearest uh, air ambulance, all those sorts of things. So a lot of different features that go into a medical evacuation that you wouldn't, again, this is not something that you would normally see from someone who is living and working in a 9-to-5 job, and, of course, the hospital is, you know, just a couple miles down the road. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, you touched on this a, a moment or two before, but I definitely want to go into it a little bit more now. Um, this would be about making a claim. Um, when a, a group or an individual has purchased a policy, um, what can they expect when making a claim? Is it pretty much like any other insurance process, or do they have to file paperwork with your company first and then it gets processed through the insurance company? The funny thing about insurance claims is that they typically can be handled uh, more and more now electronically, which which is really great. Uh, that's part of the the overall development of of these you know specific plans designed for marine crew. But in the in the interim, if they if they don't have internet or they don't have the ability to submit uh, information electronically, there may be some paperwork to complete. And the reason why that's a case is in many cases if someone goes to a doctor or hospital, especially here in the U.S., they will send, that doctor or provider will send the bill to the insurer, and when the insurer gets that bill, it will have the person's name and maybe their date of birth and address and that sort of thing, but then it will have a code, like a five-digit code or six-digit code, which is very, very standard here in the U.S. Well, the only thing that's wrong with that situation is that that code only talks about what was done. It doesn't say why, what were the circumstances, you know, is there anything prior to this happening that maybe led to this condition to happen or that led to this accident. So there, what happens is the reason why that paperwork is necessary is because in many cases the insurance provider just doesn't know whether or not that particular claim would fall under the policy or not because they just don't have enough information. So what I always encourage crew members to do is even if they don't feel like they need to do anything, they should always check, you know, either a couple weeks after they've had their treatment or do a follow-up email to us, for example, at MHG to say, okay, this is what happened when I went to the doctor or this is what medication I went and bought. Can you tell me if this is all taken care of or if there's anything I need to do to make sure that it gets handled? Because, of course, what happens uh, with any insurance coverage is if if nothing happens and three, four, maybe five weeks, two months, three months, heck, sometimes a year goes by and nothing's been done, somebody's getting very upset because somebody hasn't paid a bill. Mm-hmm. And that's very important, something that we want to try to always avoid. So the most important thing when it comes to claims is follow-up. And follow-up with either the, your broker or with the insurance provider or even the hospital or doctor just to 
call and say, you know, I was there a couple weeks ago. You said, don't worry about it. We'll bill the insurance company. Just want to know if that all got sorted out or not, and that's important. Right. Yeah, that's good advice for sure. Now, these days in the United States in particular, um, health insurance is a huge, huge topic. As we're, we're talking right now, Congress is in the middle of a vote on a, on a bill that's intended to provide coverage for all citizens. Are regulatory issues like this affecting how you're doing business? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the <laughs> the regulatory environment for insurance and, and financial services, too, as well, but is, is changing dramatically these days. And it's not just in the U.S., it, it's globally. Uh, you know, it used to be that you could uh, do a lot of things with a lot less paperwork than you can now when it comes to, you know, identifying who your customer is and who your client is and all this sort of thing. And when it comes to insurance specifically here in the U.S., I think we're going to see something really interesting here in the next uh, couple of weeks probably that, that's going to change not only what happens in the U.S. when it comes to insurance, but also internationally. Uh, I think we should keep in mind that a lot of the crew working on these vessels all over the world are indeed Americans. And that makes a particular uh, point that we have to be careful how we adapt the system uh, on an international basis so that we can make sure that we're still taking care of not only Americans but all nationalities in a similar fashion. We don't want to leave anybody out. We want to make sure everybody's provided with, number one, a high-quality benefit, number two, high-quality care for the, you know, the procedure or um, condition that they may have. And so when we look at What's going to happen here in the U.S.? Absolutely, it's going to have an effect on how we do business. Um, it already has, really, uh, and it certainly will impact uh, what we do on both shoreside and on and on water. Right, right. Mark, thanks so much for your time today. You know, insurance is is one of those subjects that a lot of people don't like to think about because it it deals with money and and sometimes worst case scenarios and. You know, even if it's not a worst-case scenario, nobody ever wants to think about getting sick or getting injured. But, you know, it clearly is something they need to take into consideration, and it's there to help. So I'm hoping that we have uh, educated a couple of people and uh, made them want to learn a little bit more. So thanks again for your time. It's my pleasure. And, again, like I said at the very beginning, the most important thing to do is just ask questions. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You heard it from him, everybody, ask questions. <laughs> If you want to learn more about MHG Marine Benefits, you can visit their website, which is www.mhgmarine.com. Once again, this is Diane Byrne. Thanks so much for tuning in to Megayat News Radio. For more about the Megayat market, you can read my daily blog and see exclusive videos at www.megayatnews.org.